0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to
2: another exciting night of NBA basketball.
0: With the first pick, the Detroit Pistons select Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Chandler again. Oh, what a blow by Mac.
3: They're digging in. They got the depth. They got the big man. They got the
2: better basketball team. No doubt about it. There's Jaden playing the passing lane. Sky's a jam. Dynamite kind of like dunk and the crowd loves it. Pistons need a three, and they
3: have just other three seconds to do it. Here's Chauncey Phillips.
1: Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike and Joining me this week are both Jasper Apollonia and Aaron Johnson. Fellas, we are one week away from the NBA draft. How are we feeling?
3: Feeling good, man. Got my cup of joe here, ready to talk about the first round, the second round, what the Pistons are going to do at five, what they're going to do at 31. Cannot believe we're a week away from the draft. I mean, it's crazy that the finals just ended and we're already talking about, you know, we're already seven days away from the draft. It sounds like it's going to be a busy one. It sounds like a lot's going to happen. We could be in for some fireworks. So ready to get into it and make some final predictions uh, before next Thursday.
2: Yeah, Mike, I feel the same way about this draft as I do about my life right in this moment. I'm currently ripping drinks of cold brew and then evening it out with rips off of my vape. So I think for me, that's kind of the same thing I'm feeling about this draft. It's all about meeting in the middle after two extremes come together. Uh, that's that's kind of how I'm feeling. I, I got so many emotions running through my mind. Um, I'm, I'm overly caffeinated. And, buddy, I just can't wait.
1: Well, try to rein in the emotion just for a few moments here while – I talk about our sponsor for this week, which of course is Bet Online. And how Online... can I
2: rein in my emotions when we're talking about Bet Online, Mike?
1: <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, you could just mute. That normally does just fine. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your info, stats, news, and scores for this sporting season. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports. And Bet Online is your sports information headquarters this season. They've got you covered for all your wagering needs from basketball, which did just wrap up, but we'll be back before we know it. The NFL, which is right around the corner, Major League Baseball, NHL hockey, which also just ended. Congratulations to the Golden Knights, right down to UFC and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games. You can play right from home. But head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action be sure to use our promo code believe and that's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use bet online again that promo code is believe B L E A V for 50% welcome bonus on your first t- deposit when you use bet online bet online where the game starts
3: Well you know just saying for those keeping track at home I I did did have denver in five uh since we're talking betting since we're talking uh you know about all that good stuff i did have denver winning this one in five and i did win some money on that fellas
2: i also bet on denver to win but i did not have them in five so aaron i'm gonna give you the uh podcast host winner of the day award from the palace of pistons podcast it's a very prestigious award only given out once a week and you're this week's lucky winner so Happy to be it. Happy to be it, you
1: know, if
2: we're being honest. Probably. Yeah. Can't put a price tag on clout.
1: That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's honestly quite true, though. Aaron, I really thought you were going to talk about golf. Um, oh, uh, yeah, Ricky Fowler of- went, went insane today, and Xander oh. Schauffele went insane. Yeah. No money on either of those guys.
3: <laughs> but plenty of others. Plenty of others, so still still 3 days left still 3 days left
1: but plenty of time lot of, i i am secretly always rooting for Ricky Fowler to win a major oh wow. my
2: you know you know who else has plenty of time monty williams cuz that man <laughs> has about a i'm talking oh, about, let's get oh, down to business i'm like dude i don't i am i i think if i ever hit like better than uh i don't know 120 on a golf course that that would be like the pinnacle of uh, of my golf playing career, so I'm like I'm much better at talking about sports than I am actually playing them. So I'm like let's let's focus back on the stuff that I can actually talk about here. Come
1: on. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, that's a great segue. Um, We talked a lot about Monty Williams last week. We're going to talk a little bit more about him this week as well because the introductory press conference was this past Tuesday. Williams has added the following assistants to his staff. He's added Stephen Silas, who we touched on a little bit. He's added Dan Burke, who I think was more rumored at that point. He's added Jared Jack, who was at the press conference in Pistons Shorts. He's added Mark Bryant. He's added Brian Randall and some player development coaches, including Doc Rivers' son, Spencer Rivers, Jamel McMillan, who I believe is the son of Nate McMillan, and then Steve Scalzi. Don't know if I'm saying that right. I hope so. So um, so the staff is rounding out for Monty Williams, and you're right, he does have time. He has potentially several years, like half a decade um, of time to build Detroit into a winner. And, he, you know, it was, you know, we can get into the press conference. I thought it was a very strange sounding press conference uh, between owner and coach and general manager. Um, I don't know if you guys felt the same way, but it felt almost combative between Gores and Troy Weaver. It was kind of strange. Um, but overall, I mean, at at the end of the day, Monty Williams, the head coach of the Pistons, he's rounding out a pretty nice, well-balanced staff with both offensive and defensive minded coaches and some smart players like Jared Jack. Um, any any takeaways from the press conference that that really s- struck a Accord or anything or thought was weird?
3: I don't think anything that was necessarily said at the press conference matter all too much outside of uh, Tom Gore saying him and Troy Weaver had to be refereed for five days over you know, the, the decision and, and the hiring process. Um, other than that, I thought it was pretty much a waste of time. I don't really think Monty Williams ha- was asked to speak much about anything that truly... Uh, has much significance, you know, anything like the offensive philosophy, uh, you know, where he where he sees Caden, uh, Jaden Ivy fitting, like how he plans to build around them, any sort of strategy, roster construction, things like that. A lot of it was more so just kind of PR type stuff about how great Tom Gores is, and how great the Pistons are for, you know, putting the money out there and committing committing this type of money to him and the staff and things like that. Um, So I really don't think anything that was said uh, that really mattered all that much outside of it, just kind of feeling like, yeah, Gores and Weavers were really on opposite sides on this decision uh, throughout that process. And uh, Gores definitely made his voice felt and made his decision-making presence felt. Uh, I think something that stood out more to me was the people in attendance. I thought it was interesting that essentially the entire Detroit Pistons roster, even guys that are free agents this this season, but were on the team last year. Guys that were on two-way contracts or guys that were signed to 10 days that ended ended up signing on for the remainder of the season or whatever were all in attendance. Um, You know, I thought I was telling that guys like Jarrett Jack were in the building before we knew that they were coming on as assistant coaches. So I thought that was interesting, just some of the people that were there. I think it's interesting that the entire team was there. I don't know if it necessarily means a whole lot but on the other side of it, I do think there's that it means something that in the middle of June, guys that aren't guaranteed guaranteed to be on this roster in two weeks are, are showing up to a press conference, you know um, 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 two months into their off season. So I don't think a whole lot was said that was meaningful, but I, I think that the people who were there was the most meaningful part for me.
2: Yeah, Aaron, I'm with you on that. There wasn't necessarily so much that was said. But there was a lot to take away from that press conference. Um, First off, I'm with you 100%. It was very disappointing not to get some more uh, pointed, exact, basketball-relevant questions. Uh, You know, I'm not taking a shot at anybody, any reporters or anything like that. But, like, look, we've heard so much talk over the last year about these two big lineups. Uh, Troy Weaver's gone out there and... James Wiseman not for nothing for Sadiq Bey and turned down draft pick compensation um in favor of acquiring Wiseman with the express desire of starting him so for me not to get a single question to Monty Williams about I mean just anything really basketball related like I would have loved to have known what he thinks about two big lineups you know what's his philosophy there um You're completely correct in in saying, like, we we didn't learn anything there outside of PR stuff, like, oh, what was enticing to you about Detroit? I'm sorry, I don't care. I'm just being honest. I don't don't really care. We know what it was. He said it himself. It was the money. What I really want to know is what is he interested in bringing to Detroit from a tactical perspective? What is his philosophy on both ends of the floor? Where does he see these assistant coaches that he's brought in fitting into the organization? What are their roles going to be? That's a big part of it. And I'm completely with both of you on the fact that like all the players showing up, yes, but also all those coaches showing up. I think that was a big deal. Absolutely. And you look at this coaching staff, it's gone from potentially extremely underwhelming in, in hiring somebody like Kevin Ollie, who has no NBA head coaching experience to now you're talking about a coaching staff not just led by a former coach of the year in Monty Williams, who has taken his team to the NBA Finals, but you're also talking about a host of of experienced assistants and young up-and-comers, like somebody like Jarrett Jack. I've heard about him for a couple years now as a potential uh, NBA coach, you know, not as a head coach, but an assistant coach. Uh, Even when he was playing, there was a lot of players who talked about him as if he was a coach out there on the floor in the way that they talk about like Chauncey Billups when he was playing. So for me, I'm really excited to see that kind of coaching staff together. I'm also definitely at the point where I am wary. Look, I, I can't say I'm surprised that Troy Weaver and Tom Goris are butting heads. Like, I mean, you're talking about a couple of alphas right there. I mean, these guys are just, you know, Daddy Troy. We're talking about Party Tom and Daddy Troy chopping it up together and they're going to have disagreements. That's what happens. I'm not surprised that they had a disagreement. I'm also not surprised that Tom Gorris won that argument. He is the owner after all, and he has definitely expressed in the past his desire to win games above all else. We've seen it before with Stan Van Gundy when he pulled the trigger on the Blake Griffin trade. So, for me, I look at that, it's not something that I'm surprised by, but I definitely think it's something to keep an eye on. And the fact of the matter is, with Monty Williams getting the contract he got, despite Troy River being extended, if things don't really work out, it's not Monty Williams' head on the chopping block. No. It's Troy Weaver's. And I think we're starting to see how that relationship could unravel um, because... Again, I don't want to like completely be an armchair psychologist, but boy, it, it, watching the replay of that press conference, it definitely seemed like there was some tension there. Like you could tell I, they basically said, I mean, Troy Weaver literally said they had a shouting match with each other, uh, about the Monty Williams thing and everything you heard about, you know, Kevin Ollie and and Charles Lee coming out to LA and Tom Gorris not being impressed. Hmm. I, I I definitely think that there's smoke, and where there's smoke, there's fire.
1: You know, it, it felt a lot like um, there's an episode of Succession where the CFO and the special advisor are sort of like sparring during a, a quarterly or like a annual fiscal event, and they're just jawing at each other on stage in front of all of the stakeholders in in this company kind of felt like that where everyone's just sort of looking like what what are they talking about because i i agree i mean this sort of like you you use the word uh, unraveled there and i think that's the right frame or um or the right mindset rather it seemed like it was kind of unraveling i mean who's going to get the credit for a Monty williams hire if it goes well it's going to be the owner. It's going to be Tom Gorris because he's the one that put his foot down and said, no, I'm going to open up my pocketbooks. I'm going to pay for a coach that I trust, not some, not one of Troy Weaver's friends. It's going to be me. And it seemed like this this was the beginning of a, of, of a strange sparring match between owner and GM of like, who gets the credit, you know, or thank goodness I was there to save the day because, you know, now we have Monty Williams and coach of the year and nba finals head coach instead of a guy like kevin ollie who did take a uh, assistant job with the brooklyn nets and i think that's a much better fit uh, for a guy like him um but it sets up a weird dynamic i you know i think as the season progresses you know when the pistons are still not a playoff team um and the roster is just a mismatch of players which you know we're obviously going to get into you know It's not going to be Monty Williams that gets all the heat. Like you said, it's going to go back to Troy Weaver. And I think that that press conference kind of like set up a really strange dynamic for the rest of the season.
2: I I think that there's always been a somewhat of a, um, a differing philosophy between the two. We know Tom Goris is a guy that wants to win. And we know that he has always been opposed to the idea of a rebuild. Um, um, you know I think that I, that we joke about the restore thing but like I don't think that's fully a Troy Weaver thing I also think that's partially a Tom Gorris thing where like he does not want to be patient he does not want to take a really long time to rebuild he wants to win basketball games and I think as we're progressing in the timeline a little bit more he's becoming more impatient you know I, I think that there's a really good chance and to be clear we don't have the inside information here but like Looking at it from the outside, it definitely seems like Troy Weaver wants to take things slower than Tom Gorris does and do things his way, whereas Tom Gorris definitely more gravitates towards those splashy moves. He definitely gravitates more towards that instant gratification. Um, and I'm not surprised to see those clashing philosophies as the Pistons get closer to being a good team start to come in conflict with each other more and more.
1: Aaron, did you notice anything you know strange about that dynamic before we go and and move into our next topic here? And I guess a general anything else from this press conference. I mean, it was a lot of PR stuff. It it was just nice to see him up there. It was nice to see the players there, like you said. But did you notice any kind of a strange, um, like weird aura that was in the room? Yeah, I mean, like
3: like we've pointed out, it just felt like those two men were not you know completely seeing eye to eye and it's something that we were kind of told whether we wanted to believe it or not throughout the interview process when I believe it was Jake Fisher reported that Tom Gores wasn't impressed when Ali and uh Charles Lee and Jerron Collins were brought in and I just it, it, I wasn't you know, I I was told, hey, you can't you can't say that they were butting heads. We don't know that, but I mean, they they pretty much told us they were butting heads over this decision, and it's very obvious where each of them stood on on this on the side uh on each side of the argument. It was pretty obvious who Troy Weaver wanted, and it was pretty obvious who Tom Goras wanted. And yes, when Monty Williams became available, maybe it was easier to go out for Troy Weaver and hire Monty Williams, but it, it it didn't seem like there was a a great connection throughout the hiring process, throughout the coaching search. And it was a little bit awkward that having the, had this search go on for months and having this hire, you know, had had been in place now for about a week or so, it was a little odd for them to come out in public and be very much, it was very obvious for everyone to see that they really were not on the same page and there was maybe a little bit of still animosity towards one another over how everything played out. But some people are going to say we're over, over looking too far into it. I think we're only looking at what we could see and what was said. And I think it's telling
2: that we're all kind of seeing the same stuff uh, that we just talked about. That's a good point, Aaron. We'll we'll move on. But like, I think it's a really good point saying that, like, yeah, after a week of this hire being finalized, they couldn't come out and really present like a fully united front. Like this was a decision we came to together and blah, blah. And they're like skirting around the fact that they had a shouting match. Uh, Yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye on. I definitely think it's something to keep an eye on because that's a good point with the timeline, even like a full week and you're still look like you have an issue with each other. mm, That to me, like you said, we can only evaluate what we're seeing, but it's, it's not a great look.
1: Let's go ahead and move on to the draft pick that, front office and coaching staff are going to be making in just about a week. Now, the Pistons, as many of you already know, they hold the fifth pick in the draft. There's been a ton of smoke about them trading back. There's been plenty of smoke about who they're going to be taking, who they're interested in. And we only have a week until we figure out exactly what that's going to be. But yesterday morning, ESPN's Brian Windhorst mentioned that the Pistons are one of many teams in the top 10 looking to trade their draft pick. And we've talked a little bit about trading back, not a whole lot. I think most of us are kind of resigned to the fact that Detroit's going to make their pick at five. Um, But I had mentioned right when Monty Williams was hired, if this would expedite the win now window and Detroit would trade their pick um, seems like they could move back and they could still reasonably get a prospect that they really like like a Taylor Hendricks. Um, or Oscar Thompson, uh, I think he's projected, I've seen him mocked anywhere between eight and 11 in most mocks. Mike,
2: um, really quick. Uh, he actually just canceled his workout with the Pacers today. Asar Thompson did. Uh, so I think that there is a pretty big assumption that he's going to Orlando at six just for what it's
1: worth. Okay. All right. Um, then ignore that comment. Um, with that late breaking news. So are you interested in uh, the Pistons trading out of five? I know way back when I post a a fake trade of Herb Jones and 14 for five. And we kind of agree that that's probably not enough for five. Um, But are you guys interested in the Pistons trading out of five? I mean, it's totally dependent on what they can get, but just the, just the concept of them moving back.
3: Yeah, I'll tackle this first. I mean, I'm I'm very open to the idea of trading out of five. I, I think, and this goes without saying, it has to be for the right package, the right the right piece. And if you're Detroit, who's trying to get better, who who's trying to make a make an attempt at the playoffs next year, you know that means you're trying to acquire a winning player, uh, a a winning package, and that means you're going to be attaching salary. You're going to be attaching a player or two that's already on the roster to this pick as well. Um, so for me it's it's who is a Troy targeting what is their mindset in trading out of this pick are they trading out of this pick to go and get a type of player that's going to come in and contribute right away are they trying to or are they trying to trade out of this pick and trying to acquire you know a couple more picks like this is a a, a, a team under Troy Weaver an organization under Troy Weaver that has consistently added picks in the draft not drafted out or traded out they have more so traded in and, you know, are they trying to move out of five for some sort of package where they're getting a couple mid-round, for, a mid, mid-round first picks? I don't know. You know, for me, I think if I'm trading out, I'm, I'm trying to trade out to get a player that's going to help me win. I don't know who that is. I, I don't think the number five pick uh, and, and anything else that the Pistons are going to be willing to move. Not to someone like Pascal Siakam or, or Jalen Brown or any of these other players that are kind of being talked about in trade rumors right now. You know, I don't think Bradley Beal the type of guy that you go and try to get either with the with what Detroit already has on the roster. So I don't think there's a clear. Here's what Detroit's trying to do with five if they move out of it. Yes, I think it would be, hey, they're trying to get better, but I don't think there's a clear target for them to go and get with it right now. And when I look at Troy Weaver's history and the fact that he's consistently moving back into drafts and acquiring more picks than he is trading out of them. I just don't foresee them making a move out of five. I think they'll
1: be drafting at five.
2: I, we we keep saying it. Getting the fifth pick was so brutal.
1: Just, <laughs> it, it just ruins everything. It really
2: like it's not just like it takes you out of the ability to get, get like Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller. It it has crippled their ability to make an impactful trade. Uh, because now you have teams ahead of them with better picks like Portland that also have an incentive to trade out of there and they have the better pick. And so you're you don't have enough to go out and get a guy like, like you said, like Bradley Beal or Jalen Brown, because there is another team ahead of you that can that that also wants to trade for a guy like that. Not that I even think that would be a good trade for the Pistons to make, to be clear. Like I don't I've said it before, I'll say it again. I don't think they're at the place where they should be consolidating assets especially high lottery picks for all-star players i just don't think they're at that place yet uh but yeah it's it it is tough when you think about the idea of trading out of the pick uh, when you think about even trading back it's also difficult because it's like who who is the trade partner there uh indiana doesn't really have any incentive to move up Orlando doesn't really have very much incentive to move up and does trading back with Dallas for like the 10th pick. Does that really get you to where you want to be? No, I don't think so because it takes you out of the range of those like four to nine prospects. And I just have a hard time seeing you get like equivalent value. Um, Oh man. It's, it's just a really brutal position for the Pistons to be in. That being said, Like, I I still believe that the best move is just say, Pat, take whoever you can at five because the value is not going to be there in a trade, at least based on what we've heard coming out of the NBA news cycle and, you know, what on the surface level appears to be realistic. You know, you're, you're not going to be able to convince a team that the fifth pick is enough to get a good player or a significant haul. And you're also not going to be able to get equivalent value if you trade out of that as well. So, yeah, it's it's uh, I'll keep saying it. it's just like it. this was a draft, probably even more so than last year's draft, where they really needed to get a top three pick and they didn't get it. And it's going to make things a lot more difficult um, in, in terms of, you know, getting what you want out of that pick. But it is what it is at this point. And I think you just have to bite the bullet and take whoever you like there.
1: I think you're going to get some movement by the teams in in front of Detroit. The things I've read and the things I've heard from individuals, I feel like there's some smoke with Portland and the New Orleans Pelicans. There was a report that the Pelicans wanted to move up to get Scoot Henderson. If he's there at three, boy, I I really do think that the Blazers are just desperate enough to move the third overall pick and the rights to scoot for Zion Williamson in some crazy last ditch attempt to get Damian Lillard to an NBA finals, or at least deep into the playoffs or something like that. I just feel like something's going to happen. I mean, Houston has kind of come up as like, and we don't know if we really want James Harden. I, I, I still don't think that that has a whole lot of weight to it. I just don't think they want to give him the max and I don't think Philly wants to give him the max and he might just have to relent, but I think you're going to see a team move up and get the guy that they want. And Portland is kind of the crux there. I think the Hornets that who went out and said Scoot looks so good. Scoot looked amazing. Just to drum up more trade interest, you know, just to up the offer a little bit. Um, if somebody did want to try to get two and the rights to scoot Henderson. So yeah, I mean, the fifth pick just puts the Pistons in such a horrible spot. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's, just... it's a
2: difference of two draft spots and like, that's the difference right. between you having nothing to work with and potentially getting Zion Williamson. Like, right. Exactly. <laughs> how, how more clearly can you look at how disastrous that is for Detroit right there? Like that's, yeah,
1: that's just brutal. We don't want to be Debbie Downers. Uh, We did that for the entire season. And I don't want it to become our MO as we head into a new season with renewed optimism. Uh, But yeah, getting the fifth pick really, really did just restrict a lot of potential moves that they could make. And then you're kind of stuck with, do you package five and Bogdanovich for something? And what does that look like? Do you package five and Bogdanovich and something else? To, you know, to go after a real star, and now you're getting rid of NBA-level talent to get a star that you hope fits. It's just it's just all just messy. Um, the Pistons do have the draft pick at 31. The first pick in, in the second round is their only pick in the second round as well. Um, I know that a lot of people may sort of tune out as the second round comes in, because um, the first round is normally where all the action happens, and the second round is just where teams that are wealthy can buy back into the second round to give themselves a few more bullets in the chamber and see if something hits. Um, but the first pick in the second round is is still a, a fairly valuable pick. Um, we have gone over a couple of prospects of who we like at 31. Uh, Aaron, I'll let you go first at, at who you feel uh, would be a good choice for the Pistons to take with the first pick in the second round.
3: So there's a couple guys that that I like in this range, and there's no guarantee that they're going to be available. It feels like once you, I mean, obviously at any point in the draft, guys that are mocked in certain places can jump or fall uh, based on the intel that NBA teams have, based on the risks that NBA teams want to take with certain guys. Uh, A couple guys that stand out to me, the first one, three-year player from Gonzaga, Julian Strother. I I just really like what he has right now and I like what he can bring to the table to a team like the Pistons right away. Uh, His shooting is phenomenal. A great catch-and-shoot guy, a guy that can come off a little bit of movement, come off screens, backpedal and hit threes, space the floor. At 6'7", he's got decent size. He's probably pretty much just a three. You can maybe play him a little bit as a two. He can't really stretch up to the four right now. He's not long enough or strong enough or athletic enough to really make make that big of an impact uh, at that position. But when you're looking for wing help, a a team like Detroit does desperately need it, and they need shooting. They need guys that can space the floor. This is a guy that fits well with guards. With guards that handle the basketball are going to draw the attention of the defense in as they start to get the ball towards the rim. Cade Cunningham, Jaden Ivey, those are guys that would fit well with a guy like Strother. And I just think his numbers were, were so consistent. He's a little bit of that quote-unquote older prospect because he played three years uh, at Gonzaga. But I, I think he brings a lot of good stuff to the table. He, he can do a little bit more than just shoot on offense. You no, know, if he gets run off the line, he can get to the rim a little bit. Wouldn't necessarily say it's a super big strength of his in terms of finishing at the rim because, again, he doesn't have that sort of athleticism or burst that's going to make him uh, make it easier for him to score there. But he has a nice touch, a nice runner, And it's not like he just gets run off the three point line and becomes invisible uh, out there defensively for some of the same reasons that I've already mentioned, he's going to be a bit challenged. It's not that he doesn't care. It's not that he doesn't give effort, but just the, the, the limits of him right now with the speed, the athleticism, these are just the strength. Those are things that he's not necessarily the greatest at. So it impacts his ability to get stops and make plays on the defensive end. Um, That's probably the number one target for Detroit. Another guy that I like, just a guy that can space the floor. You know, I don't know how long Alec Burks is going to be with the Pistons past this upcoming season. I know they picked up his, his option for next year. But, you know, if they if they want to go grab another guard that can kind of try to mold himself off of Burks for a year so that in a season, if they want to let Burks walk rather than extend him. A guy like Brandon, Brandon Pojemski from Santa Clara stands out to me. Really, really good shooter there. Um, you know, not the biggest at 6'4", but again, can make shots kind of that off ball guard um pretty strong for his size and again just a guy that can can hit sh- hit shots space the floor for Detroit and i think that those guys are important and things that and player type of players that Detroit needs to target when they already have so many guys that are going to dominate possessions that are going to dominate the basketball and that are going to command the attention of the defense uh, these guys are going to space the floor make defenses pay if they leave them and it's going to keep them honest making defenses have to guard them, making life easier for Jaden Ivy, for Cade Cunningham, et cetera, et cetera.
2: I think the Pistons are in the rare position at 31 to be drafting for fit instead of talent. And the reason for that is because I think that there are about eight guys who who are going to be equivalent talent levels available for them at 31. There is just a lot of talent there. Um, and uh, first off, for what it's worth, I am coming around to saying, I think Cam Whitmore is going to be the pick at five. And we have talked about Detroit's lack of, of wings. I mean, for not just this year, but last year as well, it, it feels like forever. I mean, the, when's the last time the Pistons had a dominant wing player? Uh It's been a long time. I, I think the Pistons have an opportunity to perhaps not completely fix their wing problem in the draft, but I think at least they can address it in a meaningful manner. If they go with Whitmore at at five, the great thing about 31 is that there's a lot of small forward, power forward type guys there. Uh, I'll just call out a couple that I really like. I think Chris Murray out of Iowa, you know, the Pistons passed up on his brother last year. If he's available there, that is a guy that I think absolutely fits into the mold. I, I really don't think he's that much worse of a talent than his brother is honestly uh it's kind of crazy to me seeing him mocked so late in the 20s i think if you want to go with somebody that's less high upside but you know what you're going to get from him a guy that everybody who watches the ncaa tournament is going to be really familiar with jamie jack was jr um i worry a little bit about how his offensive game might initially uh transfer to the nba as he was asked to do a lot of like grinded out iso possessions for that team they didn't have a bunch of guys that could really score for them and they they asked him to do a lot but the fact that he was able to do it and also maintain a level of efficiency especially shooting the ball i think that was really big you know he's a he's a good sized player he's 22 years old he has experience and he's really physical. Like, he's just one of those guys that has that it factor as well. I don't think that that's something that you can easily pass up on, even if he doesn't necessarily have, like, the the athletic upside as some of these other players. I think Gigi Jackson out of South Carolina, that is another player that really intrigues me at, as a raw power forward, 18 years old. He's kind of the opposite end of the spectrum from Jack was, you know, he's the guy that you don't really know what you're going to get from him, because he's making poor decisions. He doesn't have great defense, but like you can see physically and in the way that he moves, that he has something there. You could even go, if you want to work on say you're like shooting guards, Andre Jackson, Jr. Out of Yukon. I know that there's issues with his shooting. Like he did not shoot well at all, but he's super athletic. He can pass. He's another guy that just has those intangibles. Um, I'm also with you on, on Strother. I like Strother a lot. I think Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas is another player that I've seen thrown around. I love what he could potentially bring to Detroit. Talking about a guy with a seven, two wingspan. Um, You know, he has shown a little bit of like do it all ability. He's an awesome defender already. That's another player that I'm really interested in. There's a lot of prospects here that are really intriguing and I don't know what the Pistons are going to do with the 31st overall pick, but they have an opportunity, like I said, to really make a huge impact on their wing depth during this draft, uh, especially at the small and power forward positions. I'm really hoping that, you know, they, if they do stick with this pick, because I do think that there's also a possibility that they could trade that pick along with a player for an upgrade. Um, You know, I threw out today, Marvin Bagley and uh, the 31st pick for Tobias Harris. I know Philadelphia has expressed interest in moving back into the second round. I think that is something that could work for you as well. But if they do hold on to this pick, they're going to get a talented player. It just comes down to like, what do you want from that pick? Because there's enough talent that you're going to be able to get somebody good that can also immediately fit into your lineup.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. There's there's a lot of good wing talent available there. You mentioned Andre Jackson. That's that's a guy that I had kind of honed in on. Has a, a pretty good frame, six six, six foot nine, like six ten ish wingspan. Just has a good feel. He's a very good team defender. Um, he can process the game very well. He's a smarter player. Um, the offense is a bit of a, of a, of a strange point, but he's an excellent cutter. Uh, and I think that that is something that the offense does miss at times. You have some very good downhill players like Jay Nivy and Cade Cunningham, and you have a handful of okay shooters. Um, but if Jackson is a good cutter, he could really benefit from some of that playmaking that is available on the floor. Um, so a smart player who's a good cutter with a good frame, I think is probably worth a lot of, at this point. Um, and with the, with the just dearth of wings that are available at this point, I I'd like to see them take a swing on somebody like Jackson. Um, you know, even if he's not as, as great of a shooter as maybe you'd hope for, uh, he's probably worth a swing in that area. Kobe Brown out of Missouri as well. I, He's he's been mocked to a couple teams around 30 31 I've, I've seen him go as high as 28 but you know he has again pretty good size um has the ability to drill pass and shoot which at his size is pretty good he's like six foot seven uh, but has a very large wingspan um but he again has a pretty good feel um, on offense playing an inside out game uh he's an okay passer especially off of drives um, doesn't have a whole lot of vertical athleticism, but you know, I think the size, the wingspan, the feel for the game makes him another good pick. Um and again, you can see where I'm going with this with wings all the like all the way through. Um Julian Phillips is 19 and again has pretty good size. Um six seven, it's like six foot eleven ish uh wingspan. But very good athleticism, pretty good vertical leap, and another very good defender. The Pistons were atrocious defensively. Getting lanky wings, young wings uh, that are smart players defensively, I think, will go a long way. Uh, and Monty Williams will probably feel the same way, um especially as as he had a lanky wing in Mikhail Bridges and turned him into a pretty good player. I know it's not the same spot in the draft, but. Uh, you know, he likes to mold guys into into what, what he wants to see on defense. So Phillips is not nearly as strong of an offensive player. We don't really know what his offensive role can be. He only shot 23% from three at Tennessee. He didn't look very comfortable at all, even taking those shots. Doesn't really have any game uh, off the bounce right now. But he's 19. He has good size um, and is a pretty good defender. Might be worth a swing if 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 Brown uh, and Andre Jackson are not available at 31. And, you know, I agree that they they might also just move out of this pick or they might move up a spot or two if they see a guy that they really like that is probably not going to be there in two or three picks. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them package, uh, you know, a couple of assets, lower end assets and, and move up a spot or two or three just to just to get somebody that they feel comfortable taking but there's a lot of wing options down there uh right around between 28 and 35 on most people's big boards there's there's a lot of options
2: yeah and let's say this too like uh, look it, we don't isaiah livers we don't know what's ultimately going to happen there Gabriele Procida, um from italy that, that's another guy that has been taken with a second round pick for detroit who knows what's going to happen with him Uh, i'm hoping he'll be in summer league this year but like the fact of the matter is troy weaver has not made an impactful pick at in the second round yet during his tenure it just has not happened and this is the year i think between the three of us we mentioned like 10 different guys this is the year where he has to take an impact player at 31 it can't be a draft and stash guy it can't be a, well, maybe in a couple of years, it can't be a, well, you know, he was injured. He has all these things, but he has upside. No, it has to be an impact player at 31. And there's enough talent there to where it, you absolutely like are going to have a shot at not just one, but multiple impact players um, at, at that draft position. So I want to say that too, like Troy Weaver has not done a lot with the second round picks. This has to be the second round pick that hits. Like, this has to be the one.
3: Yeah, I think just to kind of piggyback off that, getting an impact guy at 31 should be possible because we just rattled off, like you said, 10 names. And I think there's at least four or five, six guys in this this draft range that can come in and, and impact and play and provide something to this team right away. And, and, and maybe they're not asked to do that. Maybe the Pistons end up making some other moves this offseason where these guys aren't it's not required that they come in and need to to produce for them but the uh, the goal should be to get a guy that that can come in and produce and like you said isn't a draft and stash it isn't a guy that's going to go down to the g league like if they take a a, a prospect like Gigi jackson which i know is a popular name because he was a big time prospect coming in uh to, to to college basketball but just did not have the greatest season at south carolina he's still super young like i get why the that people like him as an upside play but i think there's i think there's more of a need to go get a guy right now with the way this roster is currently constructed that can come in and impact and i think there's enough names there that are going to be available in some way shape or form whether it's a more of a a, a spot-up shooter whether it's more of a cutter whether it's more of a team defender like there will be guys there that can come in and contribute and I think I'd be a little bit disappointed if the Pistons went in a direction where they're instead drafting a guy that's going to stay overseas for a season or going to spend most of the most of the next season in the G League win. I see that this team uh, has some some need and, and has some roster spots they need to fill, and I think there's some guys in the 31 range that can
1: come in and and, and
3: do something for you right away.
1: And we saw with a lot, lot of teams throughout the playoffs that fringe-ish role players or guys that are not necessarily high-end lottery picks make a big difference for a championship-caliber or deep playoff run team. Um, And I think that's a great point. We don't want to see the Pistons do what they did a few years ago and trade multiple or get multiple seconds back for what turned into Kevin Porter Jr. Something like that where – you know they they should have just taken an impact player when they had the opportunity to, or just take a player uh, instead of kicking the can down the road um, farther and farther. Um, and yeah, there's there's a lot of excellent choices available to them at 31. And you know I hope that they you know have a guy or two in mind that they are willing to move up a spot or two or three four um, just to demonstrate that they are serious about finding an immediate impact player it doesn't have to be a knock 'em dead superstar that comes in and lights the world on fire. fireman. Obviously that's, that's the ideal outcome, but you know, you can find quality uh, in the, in, in this part of the draft or even into the later parts of the second round. I mean, we just saw Taco Bell ad Nikola Jokic win an NBA championship. There's, there's hidden gems there. Uh, if, if you look hard enough and put them in a good enough position to play and uh, Monty Williams and this coaching staff that we talked about earlier—they they they certainly do uh, just that.
2: I mean, look how many times have we complained about the wing defense on this team? Like, you you bring in somebody like Jordan Walsh, he's instantly, instantly going to be one of your best wing defenders. Like day one, if he steps on the floor, he's going to be one of your best wing defenders. So, like for me, yeah, like like I said before, like there's just no excuse not to get a guy who is going to be able to step in and and compliment the players you already have. There's just zero excuse for it. Right.
1: right. Guys, I think that was a really solid podcast.
3: Yeah, I, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe <Mike> not.
2: <laughs> well, Mike, you have to remember I'm swinging off of the extremes here. So I think that this was Simultaneously, the greatest podcast ever recorded, and also an abject disaster that we should all be burned at the stake for. How's that? Well, we, there we, really we did have tech problems. that, <laughs> that. Didn't say that, so you're yeah. not well. We we had tech we had tech problems because Aaron was cursed by three witches that he ran across, uh cooking a big cauldron while he was traveling through the woods. But I mean, hey, it, it is what it is.
3: Rain all day. At my house, it 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 was gloomy out, and then I walked I walked in to my office to record. I'm like, wow, it looks like we're about to get a major major storm. And less than five minutes into the the to the podcast recording, we lost. Uh, I lost power. We lost the recording. So had to battle through some technical difficulties to get you to this show. But we did it because we care. <laughs> and we love our listeners, so we put That's on true. the show nonetheless. Rain and G- or shine
2: oh you beat me to it Aaron. i was oh, gonna say nice. next next week we're gonna be like the postal service it doesn't matter what happens rain we're gonna be rain shine hail or sleep what is it the post office motto is we're gonna be delivering hot fresh podcast content straight to your door folks um we're also gonna have more of our um palace of piston uh uh, previews in terms of prospects that we're looking at for the fifth overall pick great uh, we have point. T- great great point what can i say man the pistons need to draft a, a player at 31 who can connect it all together just like i did right there that's that's what they need company man right here mm-hmm. well you guys pay me the big bucks i can't say no <laughs> eamon thompson's <laughs> out there jairus
3: walker's out there and taylor Hendricks. i just wrote and released on wednesday so yeah three of them are out there we should have one on whitmore coming right i think so. we're gonna have one uh
2: in in conjunction with this podcast coming out today when you're listening to this which is going to be friday the 16th of june so please give our written content a look uh you know we like to talk but we also like to talk via letters or as it's also known (laughs) writing (laughs)
1: <laughs> uh, oh lord talk talk via letters that that's how we're going to be describing it in uh,
2: i i accused somebody of being
1: i accused somebody of being obtuse
2: today and i think that what i just wow. did right there was infinitely more obtuse wow uh on on that note i think we got to wrap this thing up guys yeah i think uh-huh. we do have to
1: wrap this Before, up
2: yeah i'm starting to talk in my head uh uh, which is also known as thinking that it's time for a smash oh up. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. Let's let's wrap this bad boy up before Jasper <laughs> starts to like try to describe colors to us. Guys, um, do
2: you know if Doc Rivers' son also sounds like he eats a pack of cigarettes a
1: day? We're gonna find out. Uh, so. Maybe we we might find out. Um, I I know he does not sound like you. Um, that's that that I do know for sure. It's supposed to be a segue into
2: wait what was that I'm not picking was, up what you're laying it, down like it,
1: it, it was supposed to be a segue into you oh acting as Doc Rivers but we could we could gloss right, home. right over Take that it's home. yeah it's time that's all right go home. that's that's poor coaching
3: that's on me you know what I mean the <laughs> the talent the talent has to understand when the person who's telling them what to do what they have to do their job and I didn't do you know what I mean? I didn't do my job. I didn't do my job, do my job and and that's on me.
1: So it's a little like old Hulk Hogan-y, but I will take it as a way to wrap up this podcast. Fellas, good show. The next time we're talking, uh, the Pistons will have already made their selection with a fifth overall pick, and we will be talking about it on draft night, getting a podcast up and out the door immediately, get our immediate take on what Detroit did, uh, as well as all the impending uh, chaos that is undoubtedly Going to be bubbling up the next couple of days and then explode all all over the NBA landscape. <laughs> on yo, yo. Night. Oh, easy, Mike. <laughs> uh, it's <Yo>. true. <laughs> I think you're stuck in your own head still, going right into the gutter. Uh, I've been um, watching too but, many
2: Cameron clips, man. <laughs> oh, I God. think.
1: I think so. I think gone so. On for at least five minutes too long at this point. We have been wrapping up this podcast for like. 10 minutes um so i'm going to actually put the nail in this coffin thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the palace business podcast we hope you'll join us next time when we recap the mba draft i'd like to thank our sponsor bet online and again you could use our promo code b-l-e-a-v that's belief to get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit with bet online for my co-host aaron johnson and Jasper Apollonia, I am Mike Angolano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the podcast. We will see you all next time.
0: Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona.